0: What's up, guys? Welcome into a week five edition of Chargers Weekly. Alongside Matt Money-Smith, Chris Avery here with you. Chargers, three and one. And, you know, I know they prepared and I know that they were ready to play, but I don't think they would have won without the air drum by Matt Money-Smith <laughs> to
1: kick off Monday Night Football. I-, I just talked to you about it. I promise you, I think that that set the tone for the night, Bunny. You know what? Uh, as I said off off camera after DJ was like, hey, dude, the uh, the video's got 190,000 views after about 15 minutes uh, when he had posted it. I said, look, I'm your monkey, DJ. You tell the monkey to dance, the monkey dances. That's how this thing works. And uh, happy we could set the tone and the Chargers could piggyback on our popularity and deliver something else that the people wanted to consume on Monday night.
0: Coincidentally, I'm wearing DJ's Move the State oh, yeah. shirt. Go That's go right. to his uh, go to his Twitter account. I think it's approaching a million views now. We have we have local yeah. stations around the country asking for permission to use it. I mean, it, it was it was quite the scene. I thought Justin Herbert was going to be center stage, but it was Matt Buddy Smith.
1: Yeah, well, you know, some of us can air drum better than others, and when you see exceptional air drumming, you can't help but consume it, appreciate it, and share it with the rest of the world. And uh, I'm happy I could play my little part
0: buddy how how fun was monday night especially to, to go up 21 nothing and really make a statement in the afc west you come off beating the chiefs and then you say okay three straight touchdowns against the raiders
1: yeah look um i'm not going to hide it it's these are the games i want the chargers to win more than any other the two every year you know beat the raiders it's i feel raider week i feel it in the players i feel it from the fans uh, as, as the play-by-play voice of the Chargers radio broadcast, I feel it too. You know, I hate the Raiders, you know, and when, when they face, and and I'll qualify that when they face the Chargers, there is a different vibe to the opponent. There just is. And I think it, it permeates the organization, the fan base. I embrace it. I love rivalries. I love that Joey Bosa. I love that Derek Carr got after the Chargers and talking about home games in San Diego and home games in L.A. And this is our time. I love planting those nefarious seeds. And I love Joey Bosa going right back at him and uh, and saying, hey, look, he got shook and we love getting him. Sh- it's great. And, you know, I don't love Derek Carr feeling like he's got to puff his chest out and come back at Joey. You know, what's the old saying? When you lose, say nothing. When you win, say less. Um, yeah. You know, wear the loss, just get back and, and roll with your guys. And they're the only ones that matter to you, at D.C., but now nope, he had to go back. So now we've got this week 18, 17th game of the season to look forward to. So, yeah, to say I enjoyed it would be an understatement. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. And you know what? I liked that The Raiders made a comeback and made it interesting. And it got a little tense there in the third quarter. There was great energy at SoFi Stadium all night. I mean, it really was a good freaking time. It was a lot of fun. I agree with you hundred percent.
0: I, I love the car said what he said. And I love that Joey went back at him. This game hasn't meant anything in almost 20 years money. So, right. to, you know, you talk to guys like LT and, and Sean Merriman, they hate the Raiders. They love beating the Raiders. And to have this rivalry kind of means something. I know it's early in the year, but you know, Raiders were three and O Chargers two and one. I remember growing up when it was Redskins Cowboys and, it, it, the we want Dallas champ. I mean, that's the type of stuff throughout the week that gets fans engaged, excited. Um, the hugs in the in the in the lower bowl when you score a touchdown. I mean, I, I I really felt like it was almost a little bit of throwback football on Monday night just because of the the talk leading up to it and the, the way the the Chargers responded to beating the Chiefs and, and really taking
1: this game. Uh, really seriously when it comes to wanting to beat the Raiders. Yeah, look, I think uh, I echo everything you say. I just want to make one additional point because I go back to last year. There were no fans in the stadium. So depending on what the television put on the broadcast, I don't know if fans saw it. But, you know, in the game that the Chargers, we thought won because the parm catch was signal touchdown and they're celebrating Uh, You know, the Raiders are starting to get shaky and fall apart a little bit after this nice start, and their playoff hopes are starting to come into, you know, getting a little blurry now after being pretty clear focus. Uh, A lot of people thought they were going to make the playoffs last year, so that would have been a huge punch for them to take at that time. So understandably, the Chargers are celebrating in the end zone. Call gets overturned, and the entire Raiders sideline rushes the field you've got at least 10, 15 players doing the little airplane thing along the Chargers sideline, really rubbing it in. Um, And I think that planted the seed. I think that that got under the Chargers skin a little bit. They end up winning the overtime game in Vegas with the I was in play. And you could see how much that meant to them to get that win, you know, to kind of be part of that four game win streak to close the season. So I think we You know, as you said, I think we started to see the the seeds of this rivalry. You know, you know, some green shoots were sprouting last year. And man, if this is kind of where it's headed, it's gonna be awesome. And I think that's the same with the Chiefs. Kind of the point I'm getting at here, Chris, is I, I think we would like nothing more than for every time the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Raiders see the Chargers on their schedule. It feels like a rivalry game. And all of them start arguing like, yeah, you know what? This is the biggest one of the year. Chargers, circle it. These are our two biggest games. Of the, I would love to see the Chargers get back to that like they were in the 2000s with Merriman and Ladanian Tomlinson, where of all the teams in the AFC West, this is the one the opponent is circling is we got we got to win these. And it feels like it's starting to trend in that direction. We talked about this on our final drive
0: podcast. I want to ask you, I remember last year when the Chargers won four straight to end the year, and people are saying like, "Oh, wh- why are you winning?" You know, let's get a better draft pick, or it's you know these are empty wins. Y- you look now, Justin Herbert has won his last five starts in the division. How much, if if any, do you think that winning those games, winning that I was in game in Vegas on Thursday night? Um, you know, I know Mahomes wasn't in the Week 17 game, but you beat Denver at home, you beat the Raiders, you beat the Chiefs, and then. I feel like there's a little bit of a, just like, Hey, we can do this. And it it did carry over a little bit. Am I wrong in in
1: thinking that? No, I don't. I I think specific to Justin Herbert, it was incredibly important because remember the four game win streak followed the 45, nothing destruction at the hands of the Patriots. So you're coming off that game. And that was the first of the four straight wins. So I think it was important like, Oh, Hey, you know the the win over the Falcons isn't a fluke. We're gonna back that up with a win over the Raiders in Vegas. Is they're still have an outside shot at making the playoffs? Uh, and you know you close with those three straight win over division opponents. Also, I think the way that the the season had played out, right, and and the way that the team lost to the the Saints in overtime, lost to the Chiefs in his first start, lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after being up twenty four to three. I think I think there was too much losing for Justin Herbert. So you know, I, I do think there is something to figuring out how to win games, you know, how to close games, how to have fourth quarter drives or overtime drives in the case of that Raiders game that end up leading to wins. Um, and look, I don't think it's coincidental that the guy already has two fourth quarter drives for wins this year. You know, I, I do think there is carry over there. And, and I believe those four games and, and look, I think this goes to, you know, just if you believe in, in football karma or anything, I think karmically. Well, Sean Slater should have been a top five pick and he slid to the Chargers at 13. You know, Derwin James should have been a top five pick and he slid to the Chargers at 17 when they went nine and seven. And, you know, after starting zero and four and I was like, oh, throw in the towel, get a great pick. You know, these things have a way of working out. You know, you should never want to lose games in the NFL. There's too few of them and there's too much to take away from victories.
0: Speaking of Derwin James, we're waiting for. That pick, his, his first interception since that Sunday night game at Pittsburgh in 2018, really sealed the deal. And, buddy, we're doing this every year, uh, picks for Popeyes. Every Chargers game this season, Chargers D gets an interception. You show your game recap email to your local Popeyes and get a free chicken sandwich when you purchase a chicken sandwich at regular menu price. I told you, Asante had a eaten last week. Darwin's got them eaten this week, and you know the, the defense specifically, man. I the first half, one first down for the Raiders. After the first quarter, zero yards, zero first downs. Something was working. Um, they bottled up the run game, and like Joey said, I, I they got to Carr early and often, and I really
1: think that set the tone. Look, Joey loves playing the Raiders. Joey, lo- you know, he embraces it, man. And he loves playing Derek Carr. He is not like, lo- and I get it. He plays him twice a year. And Carr's been the the quarterback that's been here the longest, you know, with, with Joey. But he sacked him seven times, you know, and he's probably hit him 70 times. He loves it. And uh, that's set the tone. And I think he's absolutely right. That was not the Derek Carr that we saw in the first three games who would stand tall in the pocket, deliver the ball downfield, led the league in 20 plus air yard completions. He wanted none of it. He was turning it all down, you know, on a fourth and whatever it was. I think it was a fourth and six or something. He got, you know, he he threw it short of the sticks, which is something that, you know, if you you believe kind of what a lot of people say drives Gruden crazy about Derek Carr and why seemingly every offseason you would hear about the Raiders being around some of these quarterback trades, you know, in the conversation in the Matt Stafford deal. And it seemed like he was able to get past that because he had an awesome first three games. There's no denying it. I mean, the guy was spreading the ball around Henry Ruggs was a deep threat. Um, And that's why I think so many people And look, I don't care what Joey says. If it offends somebody, if he's speaking the truth, he's speaking the truth. So what the guy has a bad game. Derek Carr had a terrible game. He had a good third quarter. And he had three terrible quarters and there's no way around that. And Joey just brought that up. Um, No, look, the guy's just got to shake it off. He's got the bears this week, bounce back and and get back to win. But there's nothing wrong with Joey saying you get in that guy's lap and you get in there regularly and he turns into a different player. And, and I think we saw that. And just to kind of add what your actual question was, Chris is, I thought whoever ran the ball effectively was going to win this game because I figured both ends were going to probably play a big role. You know, both, Defensive ends, you know, be Max Crosby, Ngakwe, Joey, and whomever else was opposite of him were going to have good days or good nights, I should say, it was Monday Night Football. And sure enough, the the run blocking of the O-line and the way Austin Eckler ran was freaking awesome.
0: It was. And now you're bringing an opponent in the Cleveland Browns who have the best rushing attack in football, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. Uh, this is another tough test. This may be the toughest test so far for the Bolts money.
1: Well, what I'm anxious to see and what we have seen and this is to me, what's so impressive about Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill and his whole staff, whatever they, they have a plan, you know, and the plan is not statistically based. It is points based. What is our defensive approach in order to win this game and prevent points from being split that look, Ultimately, when you when you strip the defense down to its bones, what is the point of defense to prevent forward progress at the goal line? That's the point. So uh, last week or on Monday night, I should say the goal was shut down the run game. We feel like we're fine with explosive plays. This is this isn't the Chiefs. We're good at letting them take their shots here and there. Let's lock up Darren Waller and let's shut down the run game. And man, they shut that run game down. You know, ball had a huge game. Tillery played great. Joey Bosa was awesome. And man, I cannot say enough about Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil, specifically Tranquil. Tranquil is a freaking monster. The way he times his blitzes, his run fills, his ability to diagnose as quickly as he does, you know, Staley cut him loose. And, and it was clear that it was a different plan this week and it held him to under three yards per carry. So I'm anxious to see you know, you look at it and it's like, oh, Chargers have the number 29 run defense. Like, yeah, that was by design now against the Cowboys, and that was by design against the Chiefs. Um, so I'm anxious to see what he's dialing up here for these Browns, considering, you know, they got two backs that are carrying the ball over five yards per carry and Hunt and Chubb. And
0: it's uh, worth noting no Justin Jones, no Kenneth Murray Jr., no Chris Harris Jr. So three key starters out and to still sustain that performance against the Raiders. Pretty impressive. Buddy, we had a great show today. Uh, Joe Reedy, Associated Press, knows the Browns, knows the Chargers. He's going to join us. Uh, Brandon Thorne, uh, I love this guy. Offensive line, defensive line expert. I think this game is going to be decided in the trenches. He's going to have some good insight on Slater, Garrett, Clowney, Bosa, and just the Chargers offensive line in general through the first quarter of the season. Uh, but we're going to start with the great Kevin Harlan, who's going to be on the call with Trent Green this Sunday on CBS. Well, buddy, it's always a treat when Kevin Harlan's on the call. We get a back-to-back. and, and Kevin, what a big game early in the season. The Browns coming to SoFi
2: Stadium, a battle of 3-1 and one teams. Well, I think it's one of the best games on the schedule. Um, we love doing up-and-coming emerging teams, and certainly the Chargers – have kind of been in that position now for the last year since Justin's arrived. And uh, now there's a new coach and um, uh, just a a stellar roster and a wonderful team and uh, some terrific wins. The one in Kansas city was great. So we consider it Trent Green and I, Melanie Collins, our sideline person. We, we, we considered an honor to, to do the teams that are, kind of, you know, like now taking center stage. And that's certainly what the Chargers are doing.
1: Kevin, you got to see it on on Monday night. And look, you saw Justin Herbert. You've seen Justin Herbert before, but just be, being able to see the progression and and kind of as you call games and you see great quarterbacks week in, week out, you always have great games to call. Just kind of where you you think Justin is in, in that conversation of playing quarterback at a high level in this league.
2: I think uh, man I think he is right there. I I I can't think of uh you know it's in, it's interesting all these great quarterbacks have have a thing that they do that is just staying in their lane the way Rodgers plays the way Mahomes plays and the way Justin plays they've they've got this certain style of playing that is under themselves and that's kind of how Justin is. Now look at he, he we're all three of us are football history fans, as well as, as what's going on now. And he looks like the traditional quarterback. Like if you had to take right 10 scouts, the best scouts in pro football and say, design the perfect quarterback. Well, he's got to be tall. He's got to have a big arm. He'll stand in the pocket. He'll take a hit. He can read and make his progressions. He, he has a command in the, in the huddle. He is a locker room presence. Like it seems like this kid has like, he checks every (laughs) box. And it's amazing. Uh, I think we forget that he was taken as high as he was because around the draft that he was taken in his name while prominent was not like the most prominent in terms of quarterbacking. And here he is, you know, as, as ahead of schedule and playing spectacular football and um, he's a joy to watch. And what I guess I find as endearing as anything is he seems humble he seems like not too taken by the moment, the light's not too bright, and he's just this calm, even presence. And there's another quarterback I think of like that. Uh, his name was Tom Brady, and, and right, Brady just kind of doesn't blink, same expression, leads, doesn't have to be the loudest voice, but is the strongest voice, and uh, he has those kind of markings to me.
0: Kevin, I don't know how much you knew about Brandon Staley coming into this year. Obviously, the the, the Rams had the number one defensive football last year. But uh, what he's brought to this organization so early on, um, there's a sense of belief, I think, in all three phases. This team seems very connected and together. Uh, Just your assessment of what you've seen from Coach Staley and just maybe any conversations you had with
2: him. You know, um, we've only met with him once, and that was la- uh, last year we did a Rams game, and he had, of course, uh, the terrific D we're talking about, uh, and it was on Zoom, so I can't say it's face-to-face. But what I can tell you is that there is a certain presence about these young coaches. Now, I'm not sure if if being around Sean McVay um, gives them a roadmap to follow in terms of how they conduct themselves, how they communicate with players, the media, and everybody else. But Matt LaFleur and, and certainly Brandon have got that, that quality, that when they walk in a room or that when they enter a, a situation, you know all of a sudden that you know this guy is someone uh, you know, of prominence, of talent, of, of high regard. I heard him the other day with Dan Patrick. And um, he, like his quarterback, comes across very humble and not too taken by the moment, secure and confident with a nice, easy way about him. And certainly what he does on the field with X's and O's and defense um, is carrying over. Uh, it, it's interesting, he had Endomic and Sue, and Ramsey, and now he's got uh, Bosa and he's got Derwin, right? So he's got like these... I don't know if you call them bookends or what, uh, top and bottom, what front and back, whatever. How, but he, but he's got these two important components. You know, when you got someone who can shut down a quarter of the field and an edge rusher, those are two big important things to notch, and he has done that again. Um, and as you two don't know, when you get momentum in this league, it is it is very hard to stop it, and it's imposing a lot of times, and you find ways, and I. I just get that sense with the Chargers. The division's not too big. The city's not too big. The new stadium isn't too awe-inspiring. They're just playing football and, and believing in what the other's doing and confidence. And, and um, they, they just have a, a, a momentum right now that I think will last throughout the season.
1: You know, Kevin, uh, oftentimes, for whatever reason, we like to make comparisons of players to cars. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to ask you to do it to boats. If, if you had to describe Miles Garrett as a boat, what kind of boat would he be?
2: I think he'd be about a, uh, about a, um, he'd be a formula. He would be one of those things with so much power and an engine that wouldn't stop that uh, he could slice through any kind of wave or water or weather <laughs> and, and, uh, and make it work. He just has a, uh, he, he, he is a lot of things. First of all, he's, He's very bright, thoughtful, and introspective. And I think you mentioned you know, like history and 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 the league and and the great edge rushers before him. He has a wonderful uh, feel for that. The other day we talked to him and we asked him if he watches tape on other current and past defensive ends, edge rushers, pocket pressure guys and and he mentioned uh, the Joey Boses, but he also went back and talked about, like the Carl Ellers and, and the Bruce Smiths. So this is a guy who is number one overall pick um, big money player and has uh, the, the prominent headline role on that Cleveland defense, which is as good as any in football and yet goes about his business as a business. He is very, uh, you know, into angles and uh, how he comes out of the shoot and what his other guys in the line are supposed to do and how he needs to adapt his play to what others do well and always studying who's across the line, left tackles or right tackles. They'll move him around a little bit. And he has a book that he keeps on all these guys. Now he's going up against a rookie this week, which will be fun. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I love that kid, by the way. He's, he's a wonderful young player and going to be a great tackle in this league. But Miles Garrett is a game changer And even when he is not getting the quarterback, he is pressuring it. So the times now are are off rhythm and quarterbacks are forced to move their platform. And um, it's just, he is just a, uh, he's a, a guy that falls in line with the movement of the defense. So if he knows that the pressure is going to be geared toward the middle on a particular play, he knows now that his assignment may be changed, but he'll do it the best he possibly can do. And guys like that are unselfish, realize where they stand and how important they are, but just go about trying to be the best for their teammates. And they've got a tough defensive line. Matt, as yeah. I'm sure Chris, you guys have studied the line. This is this defense is not a, this is no one's day in the park. They are tough and rugged. And that battle in the trenches will be significant on Sunday. Kevin,
0: you said something in an interview with me a few years ago that, that's always stuck with me in when it comes to just September football. It's like you almost throw out the first quarter of the season because we're trying to figure everything out. Tackling sloppy, there's penalties, teams don't necessarily know each other that well. W- with all that being said, as we get into October, the fact that the Chargers have a new coaching staff, new schemes, and they're winning. They're three and one. They're two and zero oh in the AFC West, and it looks to be that they're ascending right now. Just how important is it to just kind of figure it out in September as teams really start to gel coming into October and beyond?
2: Well, I believe that uh, for a variety of reasons, Chris. Number one, you know the lack of hitting in the off season, the lack of time these staffs have with their players, including a brand new staff like you said with the Chargers and. And then even in camp now, you don't hit as much and guys are not playing as many minutes or snaps and games in the preseason, which are now cut by one down to three. So everything is being trimmed. And so it's almost as if um, they're requiring more for the players in terms of being in shape and football ready and knowing the playbook once they step foot on that campus or in the facility for the beginning of training camp and then uh, using unfortunately it's kind of the way the game is set up and player health, which we all get and appreciate, but uh, learning, uh, you know, a lot about what you're next to, how you're working as a position group and how you're working as a offense or defense as the month of September goes by. And in the old days, the coaches would tell you, you really don't know what you have until the middle uh, or first portion of October. Now, I think it is truly the middle of October and maybe even a bit beyond. I think you're still wondering how much the rookie has in the tank and what kind of bandwidth they have to maneuver around a new playbook, offensive or defensive. Uh, you know, how their body sustains the rigors of an NFL game and its speed and physicality, and, and, and then just the, the the mental awareness you've got to have, like I said before, of, of of what's going on and the depth and the way that this game progresses week by week, week. The 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 playbook expands. The plays get deeper. The knowledge has to grow with that depth. And there's like all this stuff going on that these young players are required to do to operate in today's NFL, which has never been more complex and more diverse in terms of schemes and sub packages and all this stuff going on. So I guess I feel like like until you get, you know, through those first two months or certainly well into the month of October, coaching staffs are still kind of experimenting with 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 schemes and and position groups to figure out where they fit what works best with who and and how they all kind of melt together you get a veteran team that has been together you know green bay kind of comes to mind others um you know kansas city's basically said although they got a brand new offensive line as you guys saw you know a couple weeks ago um you know they're they're still trying to figure things out even the best of the best are constantly evolving so I guess that's what we love about the game. It, it, there's something new every week. Uh, things can happen over the course of a week, which can change the direction of a Sunday game and, and put you and propel you some way, either plus or minus. I, I, I'm, I, I guess, I guess we're still Chris getting along with it answer to your, to your question. Just we're, we're still in that mode of really not knowing who you are until the middle of October for sure.
1: Last thing for me, Kevin, and, and you know, you're always so generous with your time. So I may have asked you before, but I don't think I have. And, and, and I'm guessing a lot of people listening would, would like to know or maybe I just would like to know uh, being a play by play guy that, that looks up to you and, and respects the heck out of what you do and appreciates how you do it. Have you always um, been willing to commit to the to the moment uh, to ad lib in the moment to improvise with what's going on the field so many producers tell you ignore that ignore the cat ignore the guy running on the field ignore you know it's a football broadcast you know how programmers are they're stiff yeah. they, they're not talent <laughs> Kevin they're not talent like you they don't know what the people want and you're the guy that really has been willing to just cut right through it and say no I know what the people like have you always done it or because of your reputation and the respect you have do you feel like you can say listen just trust me. I know what I'm doing. Let me let me do this. This is the way it should be done. Because man, it's the best. It is just the best.
2: Well, uh, coming from you, man, who I respect so much, I, I appreciate that. No, I I you know I I I I don't ask for permission. And and as you know in radio, when you're doing radio, you're really in the weeds, right in the call. Like you're calling, all right. There's a new right tackle, and now they got they got three wide, or and now they're gonna send the t- like you're so like into uh, you know, now they got six in the secondary and now they only got two in the line. They're going to drop four, you know, like all this right. stuff is going on. Right. So these, these cats are drunks or, you know, <laughs> they're, they, they're, they're operating within the framework of your call. So, right. um, I, I, I don't know, you know, like if a guy runs right through the slot receiver position as he did, you know, a couple of years ago, he, here's a guy, oh my gosh, he's run right through this. He's on the field and no one's chasing him. And there he goes. And, 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 uh. No, there, there's a, there's definitely a moment of pause there's a governor in your head that says okay uh, dope uh, you know let's let's make sure that and and listen it, it's it's uh, uh I, I think I've done my last call of that I, I may just refer to it just kind of uh, off to the side no I, I I I do I lo- like you both of you I respect the business and I, I love the position that we're to broadcast and and just completely feel feel honored every. Time we put on that headset about about calling the NFL and or the NBA and feeling like you know this is you know there there are so many people that would that would love this job and here I've got it and don't make a mockery of it and don't disrespect it and and so I hope people do take it in the in the in the sense that it is fun and kind of a goofy part of the game and it's nice to have a little bit of a sideshow and if no one's being hurt and there's no name and of course you don't want people running on the field but I I guess I, I um, when I after i've said it i like regret it and and <laughs> i just go like well, oh you my shouldn't. god you should not like, regret it done like come on like, yeah. just get a grip um <laughs> it's so... so good well you're nice to say that i, so I appreciate that from you and i and I, I like i said i think you know you do it a couple times maybe it's okay and and then after that you just say all yeah. right done right, it you know let's move on yeah <laughs>
0: I tell you what, man, this is such a treat for me. I've always looked up to money in in L.A., you know, being here for the last 15 years. And, Kevin, you're the best of the best. Um, It's so great to see you at SoFi Stadium. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And we always know it's a big game when you're in the
2: building. Oh, very kind words, Chris. Thank you, Matt. I I love being out with you guys. We love your new building. It's so wonderful. L.A.'s got two teams. Uh, They're both prominent now in the league. They're in the conversation for amongst the best, and that's great. And to have a quarterback who's going to be here for another 15 years, yeah. like, like, like this guy, you just know, right? He just has all the markings of a guy that is going to be around. Is going, this is going to be an incredible journey for you two to chronicle. And uh, no two better people to do it than you. And, and um, But thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I, I, I was out there last Monday. I'm going to be out there this Sunday. Then I got to go to uh, Baltimore to do a Monday night game and back to Los Angeles for Tuesday, Lakers. So I'm going to see a lot of L.A. here. Wow. The next couple of Jeez. next couple of days, and I don't mind that at all. I always like getting out there. It's a lot of fun.
1: Well, enjoy the uh, little bit of downtime that you have, however uh, tiny a sliver it is. Uh, hopefully, it's good to you, and, and we always appreciate it, Kevin. means the world to us. You're the Thank best.
2: Thank you, man. and same to me. I, I'm, it's a privilege to be on. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure. All right, guys, before we get
0: to Brandon Thorne, a quick note to let you know that Pepsi, they're passing out the ultimate Chargers fan experience only at 7-Eleven. You want to rush in, scan the code to enter for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Bolt up with Pepsi. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 years or older to enter. Sponsor PepsiCo for official rules. Visit boltupla.com slash 711. All right, buddy. Let's bring in Brandon Thorne. And I love visiting with Brandon. Nobody knows the offensive line, the defensive line better. And Brandon Browns, Chargers, probably I would. Based on talking to you,
3: probably the two best pass rushers in football share in the field Sunday. You would agree? Um, definitely up there. Yeah, they're they're among the top five for sure. It's it's going to be fun, and it's I mean, it's really because you know Bosa and Miles Garrett. You know, I mean, I don't know if you said pass rushes as a unit or players, but I I do think player wise these are the two best in the game. So yeah, player wise, okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean. You know, TJ Watt always has a, uh, you know, an argument there. But for me, like in terms of pure skill, I think Miles Garrett and Bosa are kind of the cream of the crop. And then, you know, they also have all the physical ability as well to go with it. But yeah, they're just, they're so much fun to watch. It's going to be awesome.
1: As someone that studies it uh, as extensively as you do, Brandon, have you, is there anything you can do, a team can do to slow down Miles Garrett? Have you seen any team have success against him?
3: Um, I mean, not really in one-on-one situations, but avoiding those, I think, is the, the one way to do it. And uh, you could do that in a multitude of different ways. I think some teams do that really well. Uh, generally, like, you know, the Chiefs come to mind um, as a team who, you know, they run screens really well. They condense the formations and then put a lot of, uh, a lot of bodies around the defensive ends to kind of create a little hesitation pre-snap. Um, you know put a tight end over there slide the protection his way running back chips you know all the creative different ways that you can do it um, to slow down an outside pass rusher specifically I think need to be done against Garrett regardless of who your tackles are Um, and then he also rushes inside as well he switches sides he rushes inside over a guard so that's what makes him so difficult and a lot of the elite guys is they can move around and play over different guys so um, you can't eliminate one on ones totally, but I think there's a lot of different ways that teams uh, do that. And it, it just, it, it, it's like a requirement in the game plan when you face Miles Garrett.
0: Hey, Rashawn Slater through the first four games, playing at really an elite level. I, I don't know if you could assess just the way he's played, not just among rookies, but uh, among all left tackles in the league, Brandon.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's hit the ground running, obviously. And he's, uh, you know, I think his technique is just excellent. Um, and I think that's really how he's winning. Um, he's consistent with things like his stance, his footwork, um, his, his use of leverage uh, with his hands and his pads are, are always kind of in sync and on point. Um, he doesn't put himself in a lot of compromising positions. You know, he's, he's just fundamentally sound. And I think that that uh, puts them, it's very conducive for success, you know, in, in the run and pass game. But I I mean, one thing that sted, stood out to me is in the run game, um, you know, him getting out in space and leading up to the second and third levels to me has been uh, so fun to watch. And it's, I think, indicative of what you want to see out of a franchise left tackle, you know, a, a guy who can really kind of spearhead the run game in that way. I think that's been really cool to watch. We didn't get to really see that a whole lot in Northwestern. Um, so that's really cool, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's been a handful of losses and in pass protection, uh, Bradley and a, that inside cross chop move he got on him was one. And I think there was one bull rush, uh, either the week before, I think that got him a little bit, you know, on his heels, but you know, that's kind of nitpicking. I mean, there's everybody loses some reps, you know, Trent Williams, Bakhtiari, all those guys. So, um, all in all, I think he's certainly in the conversation for, One of the five best left tackles so far this season, and as a rookie, uh, you know that's outstanding. So yeah, yeah.
1: you know the one thing about that too, Brandon is is and kind of maybe either I guess agree or or correct me on this. um, It's overshadowed Corey Lindsley, and I, I felt like this last game against the Raiders. Was really the Corey Lindsley game and, and what you saw on the left side of that line, just from Slater to Filer to Lindsley and what they were able to do in the run game looked like it was real effective when they ran that way as you've looked at Linsley, he's the highest paid center he's been celebrated as the best center in the game like what have you seen from him through four games and I don't know did it feel to you like maybe he took a step in this game against the Raiders it just it felt like his presence was there a little bit more than in the first three.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, um, you know, I don't know, necessarily know the reasons for it, but it looks like he settled down a little bit, but got more comfortable with the guys next to him. I mean, he was in the Green Bay scheme um, and around similar guys for so long that uh, maybe just, you know, just took him a couple games to, to get his feet underneath him, you know, so sort to of speak. And um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Raider game was his best game of the season. And you know, Lindsley last year, I know he was very highly graded, you know, by, you know, pro football focus and stuff that, you know, suggested he was the best center in the game, which I think he has an argument for. I'm not necessarily sure that um, he's ever necessarily been the best center in the game, but he's certainly among the best, you know, he's, he could do everything pretty well. You know, he can kind of quarterback the line and, um, you know, really help a young quarterback. And I think those are things that we haven't really seen maybe as much. They're harder to identify. So I think that's a huge part of his value. And then the, just the stuff in the zone run game specifically, you know, he's just really good as a zone run blocker. And we saw a lot of that um, last week, the run game in general, though, I think it's just been uh, especially last week too, but just impressive the way that the guys have worked together on double teams and stuff like that. Um yeah, it's it's been fun to watch. Um, but yeah, Lindsley, you know, he's a stud. He's he's uh he's a good player. I'm excited to to watch him the rest of the year, but it was it was an encouraging performance because I do think there was some improvement there.
0: Brandon, uh you have some great film breakdowns on YouTube. I know week two, you broke down both lines of the Cowboys and Chargers, and obviously Joey Bosa was was in there. Joey was wrecking the game on Monday night. Uh, what have you seen from him early on especially this is a new scheme for him this Brandon Staley defense Uh, how would you assess the way Joey has played uh, specifically uh, this past Monday night
3: man uh, to me it's you know more of the same stuff you know I mean that that big uh, sack that he had you know was using his signature side scissors move that Larry Johnson the defensive line coach at Ohio State teaches his guys and it seems like Joey is the poster child for what it should look like. And uh, that move is just, it's lethal, you know, because he, he he gets guys to stop their feet. And then he just hits that little double swipe side scissors move to knock down their hand and he wins the corner. And he has such good ability to turn the corner and get his hips around blockers. Um, it's just uncanny. And, you know, he's doing that again this year he can rush from inside. Um, you know, he can win with power. His spin move is, you know, deadly. And you typically think of like Vaughn Miller having a great spin move, but Joey Bosa has a great one. So he can just win in every way imaginable. And, um, and and the great thing about Joey, I think his game is he's, everything is so reactionary. Um, and it's based on what the offensive line is doing. So if there's a weakness, he's going to pick up on it and he's going to exploit it, you know, on the drop of a dime. And it's just like, it's beautiful to watch. And, um, Yeah, I mean, a rookie right tackle facing him, you know, is always tough. And Alex Leatherwood and Joey, I think, capitalized on that. He faced Sam Cosme a few weeks ago, definitely capitalized on that. You know, I mean, he's just one of those guys. If you have a rookie, especially, uh, it's probably going to be a long day. You know, it's just the way it is.
1: You know, speaking of that Cowboy game, Brandon, like to me, the the toughest nut to crack and figure out this season through four games has been Jerry Tillery. Uh, The Cowboy game was really rough for Jerry, but... And I feel like he has really bounced back these last two weeks. I just, I feel like when we're, you know, as we're calling, as we're calling the game in the middle of it, it just feels like he's got a presence. Um, like, what have you seen from Tillery? Like, ha- have you been able to figure him out yet?
3: Um, Not, I mean, you know, it's always kind of fluid with, with most of the league. I think, you know, there's not a lot of like bad or great. It's all kind of in the middle, you know, for the most part, I think with players and he's, you know he's been up and down. I, I think his run defense is really his weak his his weakness. You know it's right. the weak part of his game. And just you know he's he's not necessarily undersized. Um, you know I think he's listed what like two ninety five or something. Um, but you know so it's not size. I and you know he had the rep against Dallas against Zach Martin where he you know he roots his feet, shuts down Martin, and then tosses him to the side and makes this tackle. And it's like holy crap. And then you know, a few plays before, or I think it was a handful of plays before he gets, you know, driven, you know, eight yards across the field on his back by Terrence Steele. So it's like, you know, kind of up and down that way. But I think as a rusher is really, you know, where he brings his value. I I remember watching him at Notre Dame and just some of the stuff he did there using his quickness and, um, you know, to be disruptive and get penetration and things like that. So, You know, I still think we see that this year from him as a rusher. Um, I would just like to see his run defense, you know, still continue to be more consistent. Um, You know, it doesn't even have to be like great, you know, if it could just get to like an average solid level, I think that would really allow him to be a more valuable player because as a rusher, I think he's, you know, he's a pretty valuable guy, um, a nice part of a rotation.
0: Brandon, so many Chargers fans have been so invested in the the Chargers new look offensive line. Trench Warfare, you do awesome work, man. Can you just kind of pub what you're doing, where to find you uh, as we kind of get through this year? And um, I I know you have amazing breakdowns that Chargers fans want to see.
3: Yeah, sure. So you can uh, visit my website. It's uh, trenchwarfare.substack.com. And that's a newsletter. Uh, when you sign up, um, all my content will be delivered to your inbox. Um, I have a free version and a subscription version. So, um, just different work there, um, that you can get. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of film breakdowns now that, um, people have liked, uh, and I really love doing those. I just came out with a big project called the true Sack rate, which, um, I chart every sack in the NFL and I basically assign a value to it if it's high quality, low quality, clean up coverage. And it's a tool to evaluate pass rushers, I think. Um, and uh, so I just came up with that. Uh, th- th- that just published today. So that's going to be ongoing, updated every week. So between that and the film rooms, you can find all my stuff there. And then I do stuff for other places as well. I evaluate I evaluate college offensive linemen for a bleacher report. So, um, yeah, just Got my hand in a few different places, but trench warfare is the main spot.
1: I got to finish up with this real quick, Brandon, for people that uh, (laughs) that are listening and trying to picture you in their mind's eye. Uh, As you're cutting up all the film and you're doing all your work, I'm trying to wrap my brain around what's playing in the background. And I can't decide if it's (laughs) if it's like Napalm Death level thrash metal, if it's maybe a step below that. It's like Pantera level um or if it's maybe just a little bit below or is it punk rock like are you in the are you in maybe like the hardcore lane with like circle jerks and that sort of stuff like what what's playing in the background when you're doing all your film work when you're listening to music
3: oh man honestly i listen to a lot of podcasts so that's primarily how yeah yeah i mean podcast is the main way if i listen to music honestly i mean you know i i grew up in california and florida and I mean like old school RB. I mean
1: it could not <laughs> have been it. more off. That's it, could it. Not have been more like that are sounds you like like, talking like like I'll be sure, like that kind no, of stuff. No, no, no,
3: like jagged edge. Okay. Um
1: this is know. like Daniel Jeremiah's style, you know? Like but exactly. exactly he breaks that is down DJ, film, yeah, yeah. <laughs> D- exactly. That is
3: yeah, DJ I mean, style. I, you know, I grew up on a lot of that stuff and I, I just I still I, I could put it on and I feel good and I'm there we go. You know, I can get into the zone on that. I mean hardcore rock that's not if i'm at the gym maybe but okay watching films. Yeah. Yeah, see
1: uh, this guy sure. judging the book by its cover you, you look like the bass player from stained or something like that you know <laughs> but that is that is not the case as far as your musical taste <laughs> right. <go>. that's funny. <laughs> listening to the key sweat exactly yeah i mean i'll do key sweat
3: go. i mean there, right. there's a gosh genuine yeah you know? oh yeah
1: <laughs> see i'm a little bit older so i'm like digging back into like troop and you know but yeah i love it yeah.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. The image in money's mind uh, changed very quickly.
1: When oh yeah. And, you about know, I had a, I had a feeling that was going to happen too. I was like, I know how this ends. I, I know this is going <laughs> to make a fool of me because it's how it always works with me. That's great. That's Thank awesome. you, Brandon.
0: Oh yeah. Brandon, no you're awesome, dude. We had a, we had a blast earlier this year and uh, would love to have you back as we continue to kind of check out this chargers offensive line and see how they gel throughout the year.
3: Absolutely. Just let me know.
0: All right buddy let's bring in our guy Joe Reedy Associated press and I think most people know this Joe is an Ohio football man so he's he's very uh well versed in the Bengals and Browns and he also covers the Chargers Joe appreciate your time man
4: No problem uh you know it's it it's AFC North year with uh Browns and Bengals uh the once every 3 year cycle where uh you guys get to make the uh trip at least one time to Ohio, but uh this time Ohio comes here.
1: From what um, don't know how close of tabs you're keeping on on the two teams, uh Joe, but when you look at this Browns team and you think about how long it's taken to get to this point, all the draft capital uh that they have invested, are you are you at all surprised that they are where they are right now? Uh th- this to me looks like the best roster top to bottom in the nfl and in the afc perhaps if you just go depth included um i don't know if there's a better one out there
4: it's taken a long time and a a whole lot of draft capital um they finally got the right gm head coach combination which is important andrew Berry and uh, kevin stefanski Back in after two thousand eighteen and two thousand, going into that, Kevin Stefanski was the finalist. Um, you know, with under the John Dorsey uh, reign and everything that didn't work out, they decided to keep Freddie Kitchens from within. And then when two thousand nineteen was disappointing, they decided to uh, go in another direction again. And I think with Andrew Berry, what he's been able to do. And then uh, bringing in Stefanski, who's got a close tie with analytics and everything. I think a lot of the decisions we've seen with Brandon Staley, we saw last year with Kevin Stefanski on the analytics front. So it's all finally coming together, and it was a team that got confidence last year under a first-year head coach. Really, I think the similarities between the Chargers this year and the Browns last year there's a whole lot at this huh. point th- th- with the run and everything and finally having the quarterback and philosophy and everything that I think Browns fans have been starving for so long that, you know, at the 3-1 and one start, it's like, knock on wood, everything's going well. Let's just hope it continues.
0: Joe, the offense, I think the one thing, if you could point to something that may not be going as well as they would envision is just the play of Baker Mayfield the last couple of weeks. And it looks like there's a shoulder issue and he's not going to make excuses about it, but uh, what do you make of his play through the first quarter of the season? And, you know, when you have a a rushing attack with with Hunt and and Chubb and both guys are averaging over five yards a clip? um, It it seems like they're going to have to rely on them a, a little bit more so, especially with Jarvis Landry out.
4: Yeah, it, 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 Baker's doing what Kevin Stefanski in that offense want him to do. Um, you know, with the running game and everything and it being heavily geared toward the run, now the the torn labrum in the um, non-throwing shoulder says a lot about the accuracy the last two weeks. And also considering that this is a passing attack that, relies more on down-the-field throws. They're not really the short passing game that we've seen with the Chargers. I mean, Baker will throw a lot to Kareem Hunt when he's out there, but as far as Odell, um, Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the tight ends, it's more of the beyond five yards, the more the 10 to 15-yard throws instead of those short throws. And and the accuracy is going to go down. The one other area that Baker has a huge benefit to is he's got a great offensive line now. I think I saw in Pro Football Talk that um, two or three members of that offensive line are on the all uh, after four games first team. So that helps. But I think the interesting thing, too, is with the the number of quarterbacks the Browns have had throughout the years, and kind of – When you look at number of quarterbacks and the people with the jerseys with the quarterbacks' names, they haven't had to resurrect that for the last three years since the Browns have had starting stability. Baker still, among the the Browns' fan base, gets a whole lot of criticism, and it's an important year for him because they're trying to figure out whether to give him a long-term extension or not. So Baker... Maybe not as much in the national spotlight, but certainly in the Cleveland spotlight, there there is a lot of uh, focus on him. Just trying to figure out if he is the guy who deserves that large contract, and I'm sure that's wearing on him as well.
1: When you um when you prep for the game and you're you're watching a lot of you know Browns footed film or I hate saying film, but whatever you know when you're watching the Browns. Miles Garrett is just terrifying. I mean, he is an absolute nightmare. Um, that going through his pressures, he's like it truly does things that defy logic. Uh, um, instead of just asking you to celebrate Miles Garrett, I think we can all agree this is someone who might be the best player in the NFL across the board. Um, do you think do you think it matters to Justin Herbert? Just kind of watching him last year, the amount of pressure he was under, how he operated. Watching him last week, you know, on Monday night, I should say, against Max Crosby, who seemingly was in his lap all the time, or in Gawkway, it it just doesn't seem to matter. I, to, to me, like, that's the most surprising thing about Herbert, 19 starts into his career is, even if he gets pressure, it just seems like he knows how to make the right decision or protect the football when he needs to.
4: And I think that the, the huge key that we were wondering with this offense, and we finally got that answered this past week, was, Will the running game begin to thrive and how does this new offensive line do run blocking? And it very much passed the test on monday and and I think the run game did it did a good job too against Washington. It were the thing that I'm wondering because we had Austin at the podium yesterday is it going to be the same game plan with Washington as far as blocking as far as you know, helping out maybe more with max protections, but also will this be the game where Austin is the true running back and doesn't get many opportunities getting the ball out of the backfield? And there's going to be a lot of quick passes. There's going to be more quick throws. Mike Williams had one reception on Monday night. That isn't going to happen this time. I think he's going to be targeted a lot more. I think with the, with Justin's calm and cool demeanor, but also with Joe Lombardi's game plan, there there's it, it. This isn't going to phase him. Now, Vegas and Browns are kind of similar, where you know they they had somebody else other than Max Crosby to bring pressure. But uh, you got Jadavion Clowney on the other yeah. side. You got two number one overall picks, and also the rookie out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Onwu. Uh,
1: Onwu on, Woo, on oh, Wusu- Kourmore, yeah.
4: Yes. Uh, otherwise known as Jock in
1: Cleveland. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go.
4: <laughs> yes, otherwise known as Jock in Cleveland. He can he can bring a certain amount of pressure yeah. too. So. You know, Miles Garrett is a is a terrifying human being for a quarterback, just with his size and speed. And what he did against Chicago and a mobile quarterback, it was like, my goodness gracious. Uh, I hate quoting Susan Waldman, but I will in this <laughs> point. But, uh, you know, this defensive line will probably be the most stiff challenge that the Chargers offensive line will face all year.
0: Joe Brandon Stanley has been celebrated on Twitter uh, after the game and I, I think there was a clip about him talking about just the running game and play action. Oh yeah. Um, everybody's all over it. And uh, you you've seen Brandon from his first presser to where we are now in week five. Uh, there's so much to be impressed by um, it, it, in what ways have you been impressed with just the operation? Um, three and one right now, you know, this Chargers team has, has not been two and zero oh in the division since 2012. I mean, and, and I feel like they're still trying to figure things out. They're stacking wins in September, knowing that they're still ascending. What's impressed you most about just what, what Brandon's doing right now, especially in
4: season. He's got a team, the way he goes about things and the way that he gets, gets it across to the players, because I think they talked about the Thursday meetings where, and Brandon talked about this earlier in the year, explaining the philosophy and then getting down to the nitty-gritty and stuff. But the fact also that these Thursday meetings, he's getting everybody together to talk about what all three phases are doing. So all 53 or 47 or 48, depending on the roster who, who lines up for the game, I mean, the kicker knows what the offense is going to do. The kicker knows what the defense is going to do. Everybody has a shared accountability. And this team also just has the confidence that no matter what, things are going to go well. I mean, let's face it. Two out of the first three weeks, they took a massive punch in the second half um, with turnovers and what have you defense gets the defense gets the turnover back, offense scores the game-winning touchdown. We haven't seen that since 2018, the playoff year, and it's just very much right now complementary football because, let's face it, we saw the first six games before the bye week, playoff team in Washington, near playoff team in Dallas last year, and America's team in fan base and everything. you got to go to Kansas City. Arrowhead's always a challenge. You know, Raiders, division game, rivalry, Monday night. And now you've got the two AFC North games, Cleveland and Baltimore. Playoff teams back-to-back. I think everybody thought if you could be over five you you're playing with house money. If you could get to two and four to buy, you were still looking pretty. You were still looking pretty good for the more favorable stretch of the schedule, and to be at three and one right now, I mean, they're they're sitting on a huge. St- the good thing they're hitting, uh, they're sitting on a huge stack of checks, chips. Bad thing: three teams in the AFC North, three teams in the AFC West now are at three and one, and I think with the way the East and uh, South are going to be, the the North and. Uh, west are going to be fighting for uh the wild card spots right now so you know that's the other thing about this week's game it's a huge you know for further positioning when we get to week 14 and 15 as far as uh you know not only division leads but wild cards where everything's gonna shake out
1: yeah one of the things that uh that we brought up on the broadcast show is you know they're two and zero in division now and if you go back to the you know the what with the 12 and four year, you know, that's why they were a wild card team and, and not the the home team through the AFC playoffs. You know, they split with the Chiefs, but the Chiefs had a better division record than the Chargers, and they end up uh I think it was a conference record they had a better conference record than the Chargers. So they end up staying home. So to be two and zero in the division now, um, like you said, through this gauntlet before the bye, um, I, I think is also a big benefit. We talk so I like I don't know if we find ourselves falling into this this habit just because we talk, you know, we see the Chargers every week. So it's not that it becomes old hat, but you're sort of talking about the same thing. So we end up talking about the opponents more, you know, oh, Miles Garrett. And man, that offensive line that's been revamped and that running at- rushing attack. I feel like we have not talked enough. And and I don't know if you feel like you've written enough about him, but I just feel like Joey Bosa is not getting the attention he deserves as far as being in that conversation with Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald as a legitimate defensive MVP. The sack numbers don't pop up. My God, the pressures, the hits, the hurries. I think he's off to the best start that he has had in his career.
4: I mean, and the other thing, too, is we were all wondering how Joey was going to play this year without Melvin Ingram on the other side. Who was going to step up or help? And the rest of the defensive line, the rest of that linebacker group has played very well. But Joey's still getting double and triple teamed and is out on an island a lot. And still, you know, four games in, two and a half sacks, a number of pressures, number of quarterback hits, and playing what essentially, too, is a new position for him is kind of that rush linebacker where he's, you know, as a stand-up part of the time where he's got to drop back into coverage mo- part of the time, too. And granted, it's granted it's rare, is still, you know, pretty good. And, and on a new defense, too, with a ton of different schemes and reading motions and doing adjustments and everything. I mean, the guys the guy's been a certifiable All-Pro nearly every year, and this might be his best start so as well, too. But I think the other thing, too, is we saw it last year, and we're kind of seeing it this year, too. You've got an individual that I think for the first time is a pro and maybe going back to Ohio State too, is comfortable in his own skin. I mean, <laughs> from the 2018-19, from Joey approaching the media and reporters and just in general, I don't know, Chris, how, he, how he's done with you and money and interviews and stuff. Joey is generally enjoying being an NFL player and one of the highest paid defensive players in the game. He is generally having fun with it in his own unique way and everything too. Joe, he's hilarious. He's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. I, I mean, did it, you,
0: did, that one presser when he when he had the uh the energy drink, it was like uh it was stand up. It was a stand up yeah. day.
4: I think that Joey Bosa of 2016 to 19 doesn't go off on the officials like he did Monday night. Yeah. That's a guy that's comfortable in his own skin and is like you know what? I got the. I'm not. I'm the second or third highest paid defensive player in the league. I have the money to pay the fine, but also <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say what I want and not, not feel bad about the uh, repercussions. And it, I think that, you know, just seeing it, just seeing him get comfortable and everything is. I voted for him for the good guy award last year, Hunter Henry eventually got it but you know just see it I think we're seeing I think media and fans and all of us are seeing the Joey Bosa in the locker room and how he deals with, how he's around teammates we're finally getting to see that and I think that's wonderful to see just you know on field we know what you're going to get with Joey but now seeing the true personality and stuff too has been great.
0: Joe, we'll get you out of here on this, man. Uh, What do the Chargers need to do to get to four and one against a really good Browns team? What do you think is going to
4: be the key? Turnovers and special teams. It seems like we, we say that a lot. Um, You know, especially in this game, I think turnovers are going to factor huge. Um, Whoever has the advantage on turnovers is going to win and, I think special teams wise it seems like we're always in the sixth degree of separation from Chargers when it comes to kickers. <laughs> We've got another I think second or third degree of separation this week with Chase McLaughlin yeah. who has been who has been kicking very very well for Cleveland in fact his percentage and uh kicking in that stadium surprises me and you know just just in this series too they don't play a lot. But Chargers have won five out of the last seven. I think Chargers fans remembered that 2016 game because it was Cleveland's only win, and we, the, the Browns fans oh, yeah. still thank the Chargers for you no know, 32-game or 35-game losing streak that could have developed off of that since the Browns went winless the uh, next season. But, um, you know, the 2018 game in in Cleveland, Chargers dominated that game and played very yeah. well. And that was one of the few games where Nick Chubb was a non-factor. And that was probably, out of one or two, the worst uh, Baker Mayfield games out of the year. So, you know, Chargers Chargers come in with a lot of momentum at home, too. And uh, I know a lot of uh, California Browns fans and uh, fairly pretty good Northeast Ohio contingents going to be out here. Not at the level maybe cowboys or raiders fans but uh it'll also be a more civilized crowd let me <laughs> let me put it that way the dog pound the dog pound has come civilized so uh should be should be fun sunday afternoon looking forward to it
0: joe breaking up both sides for us today buddy browns and chargers he can do it all we'll see you so far on sunday joe appreciate it man no problem thank you thanks joe all right, buddy, jam-packed show, a lot of good guests. And I, I guess I, I want to close it with with you and just your thoughts and, and your keys to this game as the Chargers try to get to 4-1. and one.
1: Well, you know, it seemed like it was a theme with all of our guests, right? To me, this is this going to be a low-scoring game, I think. You know, just Joey and, and Miles Garrett and these defenses are so good. Um, and uh, Joe Reedy said it. I think it's turnovers, it's special teams, uh, this, to me, is not a Chiefs, you know, 30 to 24 or or even, you know, 21 quick ones against the, the Raiders. I, To me, this is going to look a lot like that Vikings game did, you know, that Vikings-Browns game did. It's it's going to be tough to come by points. And, you know, I think you take the field goals when they're there, stay aggressive on fourth down. But to me, if points present themselves, go on and get them because I could totally see this being a 2017-17-14 style game.
0: Uh, That's going to do it for us. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on YouTube. We're on Chargers.com, the official Chargers app. Have a great weekend. We hope to see you at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. For the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, I'm Chris Hayward.